my radio station, your radio station, our radio station, the voice of the Cape. This is Inside Sports. Tashi Mamla, the first South African to get 300 in a test match. Your country salutes you. Inside the news. Inside the updates. Just gone seven minutes past eight. Assalamu alaikum and good evening. You're listening to Inside Sport exclusive to the Voice of the Cape, where we cover all the latest news and chat to past and present sports stars as well. I'm your host, Firo Sheikh, and pushing all the buttons for me tonight is Nasser Maiberg. It's a cricketing theme tonight. I've got three guests the Cape uh, Cobras and Proteus Batsman Zubair Hamza. We're still trying to get a hold of him. The former Transvaal fast bowler Hussein Ayub and the CSA Women's National Academy and Women's Under 19 coach, Denise. But before I chat to my first guest, Hussein Ayub, let's just catch up with the latest news coming through Manchester United. They take on Sevilla in the Europa League semi-final tonight. That match gets underway in about 50 minutes' time. In news coming through from last night, Leon stunned Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, sorry, 3-1 to advance to the Champions League semi-finals. There are two matches in the APSA Premiership today as well. Black Leopards beat Maritzburg United 3-2. Supersport United, Bloom Celtic, that match still uh, in progress there currently won all. Lewis Hamilton he won the uh, Spanish Grand Prix earlier today. Red Bull's Max Verstappen was second with Valtteri Bottas coming a third day and in Southampton where the uh, English are taking on Pakistan in the second test match well Rain had the say today on uh, day four. England uh, managed seven for one in their first innings when play was abandoned for the uh, for the whole day there. Pakistan made 236 uh, in their first innings they were of course bowled out there so I'm now to uh, chat to my my first guest of the evening, and I say assalamu alaikum and welcome to Hussein Ayub, all the way from Johannesburg. Mr. Ayub, assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam, good evening. And thanks for accepting my invitation, by the way. I know it's a cold uh, evening there, and uh, it's quite late on a Sunday evening as well. Uh, thank you for accepting the invite. No, I had to. You know what? It <laughs> kept me going. It reminded me of my days when we had to play a very important game. You couldn't sleep at night. So waiting for you was quite uh, challenging. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, the listeners want to get involved and uh, you want to give your comments or you want to ask Hussein any questions. The uh, number to call is 21 or you can WhatsApp us on 072-238-0712 there. Now, just before we uh, chat to Hussein, I just want to share some of uh, his statistics and uh, information uh, to you. Uh, you played in all five Dadabai provincial tournaments in 19- 1962-63, he took 44 wickets at an average of 10.8. In 1966, he took 17 wickets and an average of 11.35. In the next tournament in 1968, he took 14 wickets and in total over 100 wickets in all the tournaments. In a club final, I believe, against Crescens from uh, Natal, he took 5 for 12 and in one match also took 9 for 9. He was also voted as one of the six fast bowlers of the century along with Alan Donald, Peter Pollock, Garth LaRue, Mike Proctor, and Neil Adcock as well and he received the CSA Lifetime Achievement Award and was inducted into the UNISA Hall of Fame those are some outstanding stats and achievements there Mr. Ayub tell us about those Dadabai tournaments first of all 
I tell you, they were very challenging. We used to play 12 days on a row. You know, and, you know, I don't want to talk about the conditions under which we played. Yes, but uh, it was the best we could do. I mean, I, I always remember playing against Western Province. Oh, they were really tough opponents. Uh, they were the ones that we had to beat all the time. Uh, but uh, like I said, I played against uh, Lobo Abed, Dirk Abed, Kuti Neatling, you name them. Uh, the late Babu Ibrahim, one of the top uh, spinners with Mustafa Khan, Devdas Gavanji. We used to look forward to these tournaments because that was the highest we could play. But uh, we enjoyed every moment of it. And of course, in one season, the great West Indian, Rohan Tenai, came to play for us. And it was so understanding for him to be with us because he wanted to show the world that there are lots of good cricketers in South Africa. Now let's talk about those conditions. You mentioned the conditions uh, from listening to uh, players that played in that area. In that era, I believe you guys played on uh, sand pits, literally, and matting wickets. Uh, describe some of those conditions you played under. Oh, the terrible! If you look at the run-ups, uh, for example, you know you don't know whether you're going to come up or go down. <laughs> the run-ups were atrocious. Uh, boundaries filling there. I don't think Johnny Rhodes would ever have played cricket. <laughs> so uh, yes, it was. Uh, the Cape uh, wasn't so bad, but if you had gone to Eastern Province, what in Transvaal it was, uh, you hardly saw grass. But uh, let me tell you something: play against each other, whether Majid brothers, for example, Ruzi, uh, and his brother, and the other guys. It was we we look forward to those days. Uh, I remember Abdul Bamji captaining us, and then there was Chicken Bamji. Amin Variava, these days he would have walked into any South African team. But he, a lot of people didn't see him play. Now that tournament, the 62-63 tournament, you took 44 wickets in that tournament. Um, firstly, those Dadabai tournaments, am I correct by saying that they were held every two years or, yes, or was it every, every two year? Years. Every two years, yes. And you guys played against, I know it was Transvaal, Natal, Western Province and... Eastern Province was it? Oh, then, then we used to play against uh, uh, Boland or there were Southwestern districts, Greekoland. Even Greek was for that matter. They produced some good cricketers like Afi Patel, Soli Saluji, just to name a few. Uh, everybody used to come up and perform. We wanted to perform, and uh, everybody had a dream uh, to become the next Basil de Oliveira, for example. Mm. But it was not to be. Now, the tournament where you took 44 wickets, uh, share with us some of your other highlights in that tournament. The one highlight, I would say that uh, playing Western Province in the last game, uh, we had to beat Western Province. We had to beat them. I, the first inning, but you had to beat them. They had us bowled out for 81. Kuti Neatling just coming back from England uh, with the cover. They destroyed us. But uh, we had other... Uh, other uh, things to do. Julie Rubic, our captain, where they were 64-3, brought me on to bowl into the wind. And you know, the PE wind, uh, it's not, uh, I tell you, it's terrible. Uh, and we bowled them out for 80. And we led by one run, hoping that we would now save the game. Uh, our boys went to go party the night. And the next day, I tell you, Western Province destroyed us. I know Dickie Conrad uh, eating the winning runs. Uh, that's one of them. The other one was playing against Natel. Playing against Natel. Natel, top cricketers. 
I took a bet with the manager of the team, and I told him that we will never lose to Natel. We played them; they we had uh, they had us in trouble. They had us in trouble. And uh, what uh, Soli Patel, our wicketkeeper, we put on a hundred and some odds run to the last wicket, and we won that game. It was also one of the highlights of the thing. Uh, a lot of people thought I was just a bowler. I started my cricketing career as an opening bat. And then when the so-called West Indies had to tour, our coach at the farm, Yas Farm, felt that I should become a fast bowler. And that's where I changed and I gave up batting and took on bowling seriously. But I never threw in my wickets at all. Never gave up. I made sure I play. I have a lot of knockouts. If you look at another by stats <laughs> over the years, you'll see. Even batting at number 9, 10, 11, there was always scoring runs and no, no knockouts. No, fantastic. Now, you mentioned Mia's Farm. I read a piece in uh, one of the magazines where you state, and I quote, I am proud, I'm a proud product of Mia's Farm and feel privileged to have been part of a great generation of achievers, unquote. Tell us more about this. Well, look, uh, uh, in my book, I, I write about it in my book, and that's what started when I lost my dad at the age of 10. We were six brothers. And then, of course, uh, going to the farm, Mia's Farm, it was education it was sports mostly uh, cricket and uh, we each, we had to play for we were over 200 kids and each one wanted to play for the for the top team you know for our top a side and we used to challenge each other we used to play serious games uh, thinking we are uh, either pakistanis or west indians we used to play against each other and uh, we used to work hard i tell you we used to train we used to train and work hard we used to walk to the Wanderers to go and watch cricket then, those years. You know, when they, when the Wanderers was far from What there. was the distance model like, walking? About uh, 15, 20 k's. Uh, we used to walk, and when we used to come back, we knew, well, there's a hiding for you, because they didn't want us to go out. <laughs> but we loved the game so much. I loved cricket some uh, age of, like I said, 9, 10, and my father took me to the ground for the first time. So and you were quite happy taking the serious. hiding then? We played it seriously. I remember one more game, I must mention this. We played against one of the top then colored Transvaal teams with the Percy Owen who played soccer for Rangers, the Waskin brothers, Eric Bell, Norman Goodman. We bowled them out for 22 that day. I tell you, that was our start where we believe that we can do it. You know, believe is such an important part of your life. Mm. So so what would you say were your strong points as a bowler for, for people like me, for example, who never got to see you bowl? What were your strong points as a fast bowler? Well, it's very important to uh, speed, strength, stamina. I always believe in those three. But accuracy more than anything else. I remember when we used to practice, we used to put a coin somewhere in, in front of the batsman and we tried to hit it as many times as possible. And nine out of ten times, 80% of the time we would hit, hit it. And that is what I believe, because I used to follow a guy called Brian Statham from England. And uh, his accuracy was unbelievable. Then, of course, Wesley Hall, another one of my stars. Uh, but uh, without uh, training, you can forget about it. You've got to work hard, especially as a bowler. And, of course, swinging the ball, learning uh, about the... Aromatics of the of the game, yes, it goes on. 
Mm. Now, now I'm going to test your memory a little bit here. Um, I want you to name a few players, not from Transvaal, of course, the team you played with, but also from some of the other provinces, um, who you think could have played at the highest level if they had a chance. Kuti uh, Nitli, definitely. Rujji uh, Majid. There was a chap called Trump, Ismail Trump. I knew if he's still alive. What? Let me tell you. He must have been over 140, 145. He was quick, I tell you. Mm. Yeah, he was quick. Of course, Doug Abed would have walked into, as an all-rounder, he would have walked into any team. He was one of the tops. Uh, Western Province, as I said, was, uh, they produced, they always produced top cricketers. You know what? I may have mentioned a few names. I may have left out a chap called Nalo Lakay, for example. Chuck Mahoney. You know, all these names will come just come by. Ruzi was very quick. Ruzi was cunning, sharp, hard. He never gave in. That is one thing about Ruzi Majid. I played with his brother but towards the end of, the, uh, of my career. Mm. No, fantastic. Now, from, be- the, from the tail, we had Yakub Umar. Uh, we had Yakub there. Uh, he was one of the guys. Sweetie Naidu. Mm. Yes. Uh, then, of course, they had a one, they had a uh, some one or two West Indians that played for them. Mattel, uh, Clive ba- uh, was it some East Keith Barker? East. Didn't he play for them? Yes, Keith Barker. That's what I remember. Keith Barker bowling Abdul Bamdi on the mouth, and Abdul was taken off, went to the hospital, and came back. That's how the gutsy he was, and he mm-hmm. came back. I uh, could you remember Keith Polyamic. Barker? Yes. In fact, every province used to have one of the West Indian players playing. It's a big difference to our cricket. Eastern uh, Province had a few guys there. Oh, I tell you, they had the Franz brothers. They had uh, Bravo Jacobs, for example, Morris Wilson. I wish uh, we had we had the opportunity, like I said, to have played. You know, those days to challenge uh, the other people around. But now, uh, unfortunately, now are you, uh, Hussein, just before we take an ad break, I want to ask you this question: Yeah, being voted as one of the fast bowlers of the century, to me that means that you would have played for South Africa if you had been given a chance. And I'm sure there would be many, many more uh, players from that era, era which you have just mentioned. Now, do you have any regrets? Uh, that has been the question been asked to to be so many times. Uh, no regrets, really, but. Uh, proving to the world, this is why I gave up my position as headmaster. Proving to the world that there are many, many, many other cricketers that were denied opportunities. And this is coming through now slowly, you can see it. I look back and I look at the Rabaras and I look at the Princes and, uh, you know, all the boys that are coming through, Alviro Peterson. And yes, uh, and it shows. That we had the talent, but was ne- we were never given the opportunity. Mm. So I don't really regret it. A lot of people have asked me, are you re- regretting? And I said, no, I wanted to prove to the world. Lots of Basil Yolovielas around. Just give us that opportunity. And this is what it's all about. Mm. If you read my book, you will understand from the word go, it's all about opportunities, giving people the opportunities. Now, we'll be getting to that book shortly. We're just going to take an ad break very quickly, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Hussein Ayub. This is Inside Sports.
just gone 25 past 8 you listening to Inside Sport on Voice of the Cape I'm chatting to Hussein Ayub the uh, former Transvaal fast bowler now Hussein um, post your playing days uh, you went into coaching uh, in the post unification era as well tell us about some of those roles you occupied under the then UCB I was I was in charge of uh, development until the day Kaya came and then I switched over to coaching you know coaching and I started uh, running coaching courses because I felt it was important for our teachers to know something about the game. Uh, Duncan Fletcher, Anton Ferreira, the late Kaya Majola, myself, went to Australia to do some coaching there. And when we came back, we introduced the coaching courses to various provinces. And today, when you look back, you can see there are so many chaps that have come through uh, those courses. Now, you mentioned your book earlier on, and your book is out. It's called Crossing Boundaries. Um, tell us about this book, Crossing Boundaries. It's all, uh, somebody asked me, how long did it take you to to write this book? It took me a long time, probably 10 years, when I say 10 years. After I lost my young son, 21 years old, in a car accident, who was a talented cricketer and soccer player, I had no option but to tell my story and this is what it's all about it tells you from the day I was born in a little town but it's near them until the day I landed up in the hospital as a dialysis patient there's so much to read and in fact this morning I got a call from uh, what is the Yusuf Chab Garda he spoke for an hour and he mentioned he said it was one of the good books he had read about my life story he played with me but they didn't know my background you know i talk about my late dad uh, my mom and uh, the family my family yes it's uh it it is interesting even if i have to say so mm. i would like people out there to 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 support me because part of the proceeds will go towards a legacy you know a sports legacy for underprivileged kids and I, at this stage i must thank the okaf group you know, with the Leaders and Legacy Project for assisting me. And I, uh, I can't forget my two youngsters, my scholars, uh, Dr. Koresh Patel and uh, Enver Surti, parliamentarian, who assisted me tremendously in, in putting together this book. And I'm very thrilled about it because a lot of people have phoned in and said that you may have achieved a lot on the cricket field or in education, but... Uh, writing this book is a greater achievement and that's why I would like to thank you even at this stage to, for having me on it makes a big difference telling people out telling them your story yeah absolutely now obviously COVID put a stop to the launch of the book there was going to be a launch we did speak to um, Harun Kala earlier in the week about the book yes. so how if somebody wants to get hold of the book how can they get a copy of the book well there is a, like I said I could give you my number mm. or uh, 083-4786-719. You could phone me or we could try and see if we can't get it to you. I remember the first person that uh, ordered the book was uh, Devdas Gavanji from Eastern Province. An uh, old cricket friend of mine. Yes, he was one of them. That was the very first one I sent out to. No, fantastic. Hussein Ayub, thanks for chatting to us. Thanks for giving us uh, some of your time. And it's been an absolute pleasure. All the best to you and, of course, to that book as well. Thank you, boss. Thank you. Good night.
So that was the former Transvaal fastballer Hussein Ayub chatting to us there. Now it's a pleasure to have the uh, Cape Cobras and South African batsman Zubair Hamza join us. Zubair, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, and you? Alhamdulillah, cannot complain. I know you're a busy man, so thanks for lending us some time there so we can have a chat about uh, all things cricket. It's my pleasure. <laughs> now, Zubair, let's talk about the current situation at the moment. It must be pleasing for you and the other members of the team, of course, to start training as a team, as a whole. Yes, uh, we've had uh, about two weeks now of testing uh, fitness and COVID-wise, and fortunately, uh, everyone's been cleared. Um, so the past two weeks, we've been doing some fitness testing and kind of getting back into the swing of things. Uh, yeah, in the Cape, obviously, during the winter, it's pretty wet. So we do struggle to get uh, some outdoor facilities. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, we should be uh, training both skills and fitness-wise um, indoors. So obviously, you guys haven't hit the nets yet in terms of batting, bowling and stuff. Just give us an idea of what your, your, your day would look like uh, when you guys have started the training. Um, typically, uh, we'd... Uh, we have a, a morning session or morning and afternoon session um, of which one would uh, comprise of either strength training or uh, cardio training. Um, and then the second session would be a, a skill session indoors, um, obviously bowlers, batters, and then working on our skill work. Um, and that would be five days a week uh, kind of thing. Um, for pre-season, quite the rigorous and intense training so that we wouldn't have to... Um, kind of do the fitness side of things during the season um, due to injuries and stuff like that, the risk of injuries. Now, was cricket always your first choice? If not, when did you start taking it uh, up seriously? I wouldn't say it's always been my first choice. Uh, I I've took it seriously for a long time from a young age. Uh, but it was both cricket and hockey that I kind of had a passion for and... Um, I didn't. I, I wasn't really forced to make a decision. I mean, at, at the end of my stick, I came to a kind of a, a fork in the road between the two sports. But fortunately, I was granted uh, my first opportunity um, with the province men's side, uh, afforded to me by coach at the time, Mike Davis. Now, before we get into province and uh, obvious, obviously uh, franchise cricket, schools cricket is also big as well. I believe you are on the Bosch Boys High, former Boys High uh, member. What are some of your schoolboy memories that stick out to you? Um, I would definitely be uh, cricketing-wise. Uh, well, the majority of them were sports-based. I mean, <laughs> not everyone enjoys school, but I didn't enjoy the, the kind of uh, being part of a, a sporting team that did pretty well. Uh, cricket-wise, when we won, I think it was the the T20 schools tournament. So that was a big uh, a big milestone for us. And then obviously you have your your derbies uh, against uh, rivals like Bishops and Weinberg, Sack, stuff like that. Um, but I would definitely say it was it was more the in-school uh, kind of experiences and the friends that I made. That that was more the memories that stood out and have kind of kept along. Uh, all of these years. Mm. Now, any aspiring cricketer looks forward to their first-class debuts. In your case, Western Province and then Cobras, those must have been special moments for you and, of course, your family as well. Yes, definitely. With regards to Western Province at the time, um, I was a bit uh, disappointed with my... Uh, well, not, 
I could understand it. My exclusion from the under nineteen side at the time. Mm-hmm. Um with uh the the side that ended up winning the under nineteen World Cup, but at the end of the day, um that door closed and another door opened by me kind of getting an opportunity on the foreign side while those guys were at the World Cup. So um kind of a six of the one off and doesn't know the other situation. Um so that was definitely a big opportunity kind of getting that first stint with the Western Farmers men's side and then um my Cobra's debut came in twenty sixteen I think and uh yeah I, I didn't really do well to start off with but there's definitely um kind of big uh that I kind of checked off along the way, uh, certain boxes that I obviously wanted to achieve and I'm getting those opportunities early on definitely allowed me to kind of excel or get more experience to play at a particular level. Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, Zubair, the cherry on the cake, making a test debut against Pakistan. Talk us through that. How did you react when you heard that you were going to play for your country? And then you also became South Africa's 100 test player since readmission as well in the process. Um, Yeah, that was a special moment, uh, playing... In South Africa uh, against Pakistan, uh, I think it was Jan 11, 2019. Um, yeah, I didn't expect it to come so soon, but uh, I definitely enjoyed the, spe- the experience. I didn't kind of put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, and then with regards to being number 100, uh, for me it was just a milestone in itself to be able to represent my country, so whatever number that came with, uh, that came with it, I was going to take it with both hands. So, <laughs> yeah, just coincidence that I ended up having the hundred number uh, placed on my shirt. No, absolutely. Now you've played five tests so far, with the highest of sixty-two, but I'm sure there's many more to come. But your first-class average is 48, which is pretty, pretty good, and a highest score of 202 not out. That must have been a special knock for you as well. Yes, definitely. Um, I, I throughout those five games, I mean, um, I wasn't too happy with uh, all of those performances. But at the end of the day, I, I, I managed to represent my country. I kind of took all the positives I could out of that experience and um, kind of went back to the drawing board and put in a good uh, one-day season domestically after that. And so yeah, I kind of trying to continuously adapt and become a better, better, better all round throughout different uh, formats. Um, and that's currently where I'm at. I'm continuously trying to get better and put in consistent match winning performances. Now, you, you mentioned the formats, of course. You got the first class, the uh, List A and T20s. Do you prefer any one, or you work accordingly in terms of uh, whatever tournament or competition you're going into? I would say the latter. Whatever's in front of me, I just mm. try and uh, do my best. I kind of get my best effort. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, for me, that's the best way to go about it. Just kind of focus on what's in front of me. Um, I find that majority of the time I. Whenever I set a goal, um, a long-term goal, and I do not follow a process, and I just focus on the goal so intensely that um, I kind of lose my way um, going about achieving that goal. So for me, it's to kind of follow a process um, and do whatever's in front of me, whatever's in front of me and deal with it. 
Now, obviously, uh, being coached by a former pro chair in Ashwell Prince, and then you got Faik Davis there. There's, there's lots of experience. It must be a pleasure, you know, being coached by these guys and taking in whatever information they give out to you guys. Yes, definitely. Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yes, okay. I can. I've, I've definitely enjoyed um, playing under uh, Coach Ashwell and uh, Coach Faik. Um, they definitely bring different dynamics towards the squad. Um, and in terms of personal growth, I've, I've grown tremendously throughout the I think it's three years now that I've been playing under Ashwell. Um, just his, his personality, um, Faik Davis and his energy that he brings along with the knowledge and the experiences that both of them have gone through um, to not only focus on the technical side and how they can help me with that, in terms of the mental aspect, they've definitely um, changed my way of thinking in various areas of the game. Um, and I've benefited a lot from it. Um, that kind of, how can I say, uh, not backing down for anyone mm. attitude, that's mm. definitely something that I've taken on board. Um, and I think it's, it's a positive way of, of going about playing the game. So, Bill, what what's your goals for the new season, or if is it, is it too early to set them yet? When when finally, when cricket finally gets underway, um, for me, I would to put in consistent performances for the Cobras and kind of earn a, another opportunity in the Test arena. Uh, first goal would be to, to obviously play one game at a time, but then try and achieve uh, something that I haven't been able to achieve yet to the Cobras would be to win a trophy. Um, and uh, we've come close in the past in the four-day comp, uh, but a lot of the time you put too much pressure on yourself to achieve it, as I said, instead of focusing on the process. Um, so that would be a massive goal for, for the squad. And then for me, in the personal aspect would be to kind of get another opportunity in the test side and take it and cement the spot in it. Fantastic. Zubair Hamza, thanks for the chat and all the best to you and the Cobras, of course. Okay, my pleasure. Uh, that was the approaches at Cape Cobras batsman Zubair Hamza chatting to us there. Let's take an ad break and when we come back, we'll be talking to Denisha Devnarain. This is Inside Sports. Just gone 22-9. Welcome back. Uh, we say a very good evening to Denisha Devna Ryan. Thanks for chatting to us on Voice of the Cape. How are you doing? Hi, Feroz. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm all... very well, thanks. Yourself? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Very cold in Cape Town, but uh, good. <laughs> a little bit chilly here in Durban, surprisingly. <laughs> but uh, I think we'll brace it for one day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Tanisha, firstly, congratulations. I'm in order on being appointed as the full-time CSA Women's National Academy and Women's Under-19 coach. That must be uh, a great feeling for you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely privileged and really honoured. Um, you know, to represent your country was one thing and now to, to give back, it, it's, it's also like on a different domain. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about the opportunity. Just unfortunately with COVID-19, um, you know, I haven't been able to get on the park with the ladies, but uh, something I'm definitely still looking forward to do. Well, you know, I was just going to uh, mention that now, obviously COVID has put a stop on many things. So uh, have you had the chance to take up your post as yet? Yeah, well, I've officially started at the 1st of April, though um, just lots of webinars, 
uh, lots of meetings via different platforms, uh, you know, like just um, fitness is going on with the ladies, but I haven't been able to actually get a venue and, you know, start training, which has been kind of a downer. Uh, but I have been, I have been awarded the opportunity to work with the Protea ladies. Uh, so two weeks ago, we were in Pretoria and we held a camp there. So at least I got some coaching done. So I kept my sanity a little bit. Mm. Now, what would be your roles, especially in terms of the head of the National Academy? Yeah, I think uh, my main role there is to promote those girls there. Or, you know, we have a we have a camp over two two to three months. Uh, sometimes we have an emerging team coming through, so uh, they play a series for. Uh, we usually, I think last year we had it against uh, Australia and England. Uh, we had one with Bangladesh as well. Uh, but the main purpose of the National Academy is that I need to produce Protea players. Um, so while they're in my program, they just go under intense training and that sort of stuff and maybe create in a more professional environment. And then my job is done is when they stay there in the Protea side and they don't filter back down to me. So that would mean a lot of traveling for you to uh, basically all around the country or do you have scouts in, in all the centers? Um, I think at first I, I, I want to do it by myself. So I do want to go around the country, uh, you know, just to see from my perspective and, and where we are as a country, especially with our 19 girls. Uh, we're supposed to have a World Cup in Bangladesh in January, but due to COVID-19, that's postponed hopefully later next year. Um, so, yeah, I want to do my own regional camps first. And then I think the main thing there is having that trust factor as to, you know, who's going to oversee these girls in the different provinces. Now, you mentioned camps. I don't know, you guys were in the camp a couple of weeks ago and were supposed to be in the camp in Pretoria again. Uh, how's that going or is it still going? Yeah, it's, uh, it's still going. Uh, look, things have been on hold at the moment. Uh, we're still waiting for a press release, so I can't say too much. Mm. Uh, but... The week that we had with the girls, it was good. Um, the skills were a little bit slow, but understandably so. And um, I think towards the end of the week, we've seen some better skill coming through. The concentration levels were back into it. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can host more camps and, and you know we can sharpen those skills. Denisha, how much will you be missing your KZN ladies team? A lot, eh? A lot. <laughs> uh, I, think, I don't think it's sunk in yet because... Because of COVID-19, I think everyone's just been at home and, you know, you kind of think of that as your winter program. But I think as soon as I start working with the, the National Academy ladies and the SN19 girls, it will be at home. Uh, but I'll definitely still support them, uh, still mentor them, still be there for them in, in many ways as I can. And that goes for all the girls around the country, actually. Um, and yeah, and if I am available, I'll definitely go watch some of the games. Now, fantastic. Now, let's talk about those uh, G-Sport Awards. Uh, you've been nominated in the Coach of the Year category together with uh, Desiree Ellis and Dorette Barnost for those awards uh, that recognizes achievements by women in sport. That is a brilliant initiative, isn't it? No, it's fantastic. Uh, I think G-Sport has grown through the years and it's becoming more predominant uh, in dominating well, world sport, if I can say that. And yeah, like it, that's also a massive honor, you know, to to be nominated amongst women, like you just mentioned now. And uh, I think it's fantastic what they're doing for women in sport. Um, look, we've been getting a lot of coverage, especially this month. And obviously, I would like to see it go through all the months uh, and just grow from strength to strength.
No, absolutely. And uh, let's just talk quickly about the lockdown, you know, April, May, June. Uh, you guys as cricketers and coaches, how do you guys keep busy during this time? For you, for example, you know, as a coach, what would you be doing in that period and how do you keep busy doing what you do if you're not on the field? Yeah, it's difficult. Uh, but, you know, we do have a lot of admin. Uh, I've been planning a lot to time to, you know, how I'm going to structure my National Academy, that sort of things. Look, I've even started working out a lot more. Uh, just on a personal level but um, look I think what I also did was that I tried to educate myself about the game so I just completed a 12 week course with Gary Kirsten coach Ed uh, and that's been brilliant and now I'm busy with Cricket South Africa's competitive intelligence and analysis course and that's over 8 weeks so my brain's been working a lot and um, yeah I suppose it's very difficult especially when you you know you're out there in the park and you know, you're so used to people interaction and now, you know, the social distancing and you don't even see family members. It's very difficult. But I think, you know, in times like this, you've got to stay positive and, you know, you've got to, you've got to grind it out because, you know, life is going to throw these curveballs at you and it's, it's, it's how you come on top of it. And um, so I have been busy, but more, lots of studying and assignments and that sort of stuff. But yeah, when given the opportunity, I... I you know, I, I feel like I prepared well enough to, you know, to give the team a best, the best chance going forward. No, fantastic, Denisha. Just before you go, uh, if you had to give a message to some young budding uh, ladies out there who want to play the game of cricket, what would you say to them? Yeah, just be authentic. Uh, just be yourself. I think that's so important. It's really good to have role models and mentors, but uh, just understand that you've got to bring your own special element to it. And the last thing is just passion. If you have true passion for it, because, you know, I'm a breeding example of that. Mm. Um, I wasn't contracted at first, so I didn't play for money and that sort of thing. But, you know, I, I feel like it led me to my purpose in life now. Uh, so, yeah, be authentic and, and, you know, knock doors down. Fantastic. Denisha Devna Ryan, thanks as always and all the best to you. Thank you for those things. What a lovely lady there. That is it uh, for tonight. I hope you enjoyed another edition of Inside Sport. I'll be back with more sporting news on the drive time from Monday to Friday. From Mifiro Sheikh, have a lovely evening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM Stereo.